Posting Up is sponsored by Bolin Branch. Getting a great night's sleep is easier and more affordable than you think. Go to bolinbranch.com today for $50 off your first set of sheets. Promo code posting up. Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bottemps, national NBA for the Washington Post. Coming to you today, my pal, Tim McMahon from ESPN, who after eight months of living out of suitcases, uh, is finally done with his season after the Rockets uh, missed, I think, 7,000 threes in uh, Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals. Uh, I, as, uh, Tim, as, as the... What last night's events sunk in for you yet? The fact that we saw an NBA team with a bunch of quality shooters actually miss 27 threes in a row, most of them wide open. Yeah, 27 threes in a row. What were they, like one of 30? One of their that? final 30. <clears throat> yeah, so that's obviously tough. You know, I I think people who want to make this some kind of referendum on Dan Tony's system, I mean, I don't see that. I think that's pretty ridiculous. Again, it's not like they were jacking up bad looks. You know, those are the you know the shots that they hope to get. Uh, he wanted them to shoot forty to forty-five threes. It's what they did all year long. It got them sixty-five wins. Right. It it got them on the doorstep of the NBA Finals. Now, would they have liked to have a nine-time All-Star point guard who could uh, break things down and maybe get them some some buckets in the mid-range? Sure. Yeah, they would have loved to have Chris Paul. <laughs> um, but but they didn't. And again. You know, when I just thought it was funny. People are, oh, you know, did you guys shoot too many threes? And like the Warriors shot thirty nine, they just right. made a bunch of them. They right. made sixteen of them. Right. So I think it was kind of a a fluke thing. I think maybe fatigue played a part. The fact that they were short on their rotation because it got to a point where uh, Luke and Bob Mute was just unplayable, coming off of the dislocated shoulder for the second time. Obviously, CP 3s out. Yep. You know, he tr- he tried to give Ryan Anderson a little run yesterday. That did not go well. Uh, so I, I, I think, you know, heavy legs might have had a uh, part to do with it. But again, just to, to make this about, oh, you know, Mike D'Antoni's system can never win a, a title. I think that's pretty silly. Yeah, I agree completely. I thought D'Antoni's answer was pretty great when somebody asked him, is this change you're thinking uh, about shooting so many threes? And he said, uh, no, because the other team's doing it too. And he's right. Like, you know, you look at the two teams in the NBA Finals, the Cavs are bombing threes all over the place. Uh, the Warriors obviously get up a ton of threes. Uh, you know, like you said, Houston lost that game, not because they missed 37 threes, in my opinion, but because their guys ran out of gas. And, you know, that goes back to uh, Chris Paul not playing. That goes to Luka Bamute, who was a huge piece for them, like you said, all season. Uh, not playing basically the entire series because his shoulder, uh, after dislocating it a second time early in the playoffs, just he did not look comfortable shooting the ball or attacking the rim. Uh, and, you know, D'Antoni went away from him, which I can understand. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, look, people saying, oh, well, they should take two dribbles in and, and, or try to attack the rim. Like PJ Tucker and Trevor Ariza are not guys that you're going to have put the ball on the floor and, and make a play. Like, that's just not, that's not what those guys do. They, they yeah, spot up what, and hit threes. And last night, Brett Ariza in particular just didn't hit any. Yeah. And that's not what Gerald Green does. You right. Know, Gerald Green's one of seven. I think it was one of four uh, from three point range. And, and the whole like take two dribbles in, like why? Right. It's not a higher percentage shot, but it's a lower scoring shot. That makes no sense whatsoever. It's one thing, like CP3 
his mid-range shots, that, that's a case of, you know, uh, that's kind of the soft spot in the defense for him. Right. You know, it, it's not like he's passing up open threes to go take a mid-range jump shot. Right. Why would any, like, if anybody passes up an open three to go dribble into an 18-footer, it, Mike D'Antoni might call a timeout and bench him on the spot. That is the complete opposite uh, of what they do, and it's, and it's, it's bad basketball. Right. Well, we were in Utah for a game for games three and four, particularly game three of the the semifinals between the Jazz and the Rockets. And the the Jazz were doing a terrific job defensively in that series, Mm -hmm. walling off the three point line, just like the Spurs had done the year before in the same round. And that was why the Rockets got Chris Paul. So he could get by that level of defense. And instead of going to the rim where seven foot three Rudy Gobert was standing there waiting to block a shot, he was pulling up from 15 feet where the Jazz were happy to let him shoot. And he made every shot. And that that swung that series and got Houston a victory. The difference the difference last night was the Warriors were not playing good defense. Like the, the, the Rockets would move the ball around the perimeter and get a wide open three basically every possession. And and, and they just missed all of them. Eric Gordon was two for twelve. James yeah. Harden was two for thirteen. Uh, you know, Ariza was zero for nine. Uh, you know, Tucker I think was two for five. He's the one guy that shot okay from three. Like you said, Gerald Green was one for four. Like all these guys that could shoot the ball got open shots and weren't close. And, and you That's know, a difference. And then they would, tell, you know, the Rockets would say Harden should have been on the line on a couple of those threes. And, and okay, whatever. But yeah, the simple fact is, uh, it was a historically horrible three point shooting performance. If it's even just a bad three point shooting performance, if they shoot twenty five percent, right? You were saying three, that last night to me and Jonathan Fagan. If the Rockets had just shot twenty five percent and gone eleven for forty four, they would have they, they would have won the game in theory. Yeah, and and I I, I believe because I tried to talk to Daryl Morey afterwards, and the only thing he would say was we because I, I was trying to get him. You know, Eric Gordon came out and said what I know a lot of people there were thinking. That's if they'd had Chris Paul, they'd have won the series. So I was curious to see uh, Daryl's take on that. And he says, we should have won that game. That's all I really had to say. And I think more than anything, he's directly talking about, man, all those open looks just shoot even a poor percentage, not historically right. horrible. And it's a game they can win. And look, the Warriors came out sloppy. They came out, they looked discombobulated. They played, I mean, Steve Kerr is stormed off in the middle of a TNT interview. This is the root. Two-time Rudy Tomjanovich Award winner, the most media-friendly coach in the league. He was so pissed off that he's cutting cutting off uh, David Aldridge after one question, talking about the worst quarter I might have ever seen us play. And but then the third quarter Warriors arrived, and look in the second half, Steph Curry played like a you know former uh, MVP, former Finals MVP. So did Kevin Durant. And the way the Rockets shot the ball, they just did not have the firepower to keep the uh, to keep the Warriors from kind of putting them away. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I, I didn't even think Golden State played very well, even in the second half. I mean, they played better, and Steph hit some shots, and Katie hit some shots. But, they again, their defense was still giving up wide-open shots all over the place. It was yeah. it was unbelievable to just watch the Rockets just miss open shot after open shot after open shot. I mean, it really yeah, I, it was mind-blowing. I would be curious, and i I got to get my man Kevin Pelton on the case because he's the guy who's good at this. Like, what were the expected field goal percentage, or what you know, what you know that stat that I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I would I would be curious to see what it was for the Rockets because I guarantee you it was. Uh, you know, I would assume that those on those threes they were probably right right about where 
the Rockets shot it all season long, if not a little bit better, because again, like you said, most of them were really good looks. Yeah, it wasn't like they were. It wasn't like you know, in Game Five, the Rockets won in part because Chris Paul heaved up some just ridiculous shots that you know, like falling away, just like yeah. leaping up off one foot, flinging it up in the air, and it was like banking in and stuff. Like just crazy stuff was happening, and um, these were not shots like that. Like they, I don't really remember. There was, you know, Harden, I think, forced maybe a step back or two. But, like, there weren't a lot of heaves from these guys. No. You know, a lot of them were, like, even if they took a dribble to the right, like, they're still, they're like, they get their guy in the air, they move a step to the right, and they get a shot off. Like, they, you know, their shots. No, like most of them were uncontested. Yeah. I mean, it It was It was amazing to see. But, um, but no, I mean, listen, it, uh, the Rockets, I, I felt for the Rockets last night because – the bottom line is, to me, they deserve to win this series. I know the Warriors. The Warriors will probably argue that they, you know, if they hadn't blown games four and five, and if Iguodala is healthy, they they could have arguably won all five, all, you know, the five, six of the seven games in the series. But that right. being said, I think that neutral observers would look at that series and and say, and I even have a feeling Warriors partisans would and say the Warriors didn't really deserve to win that series. They they. You know, they screwed around in most of the games. They came out uh, in a disastrous fashion in both Game 6 and Game 7 to start the game, having no sense of urgency at all, um, just just looking completely ridiculous. And, you know, yeah, like you said, they have Steph Curry, who, for whatever reason, comes out in the third quarter and just, you know, drops nuclear bombs on teams pretty much every game uh, to save them. But I, I don't think anybody walked out of that arena last night thinking that, you know, man, Golden State, you know, really earned that uh, that victory. I think everybody kind of felt either between no Chris Paul or just the way that game went that, you know, that's a series that it feels like the Rockets should have won and should be playing against Cleveland here on Thursday instead of uh, the NBA world going back to the Bay Area for Warriors-Cavs round four. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it, it didn't go down that way. It's gonna And the Chris Paul injury is going to haunt Houston forever or at least un- unless or until these Rockets are able to win a title. But, you know, it's funny. I had a, some Warriors fans last night that went and, and dug up the uh, the Clint Capella, uh, you know, we're better than the Warriors. That 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 tweet, and then you know that uh, when he told me that in January after or after they beat the Warriors, and they were like, you know, retweeting, you know, to, to mock it at the end of the series, and I was like, I felt like Capella's point was was proven, you know, yes, with Chris Paul, with Chris Paul, the Rockets were a better team than the Warriors. Now, or at or know, at minimum, or at minimum, as good. Right now. Look, when you when you are relying that heavily on a 33 year old guard who's had durability issues, you know there, there's risk involved. Um, but still, what a I mean, just an absolute bummer. Especially, I mean, for all the Rockets, but for CP3, a guy who obviously this is his first conference finals. He was so good in Game Four, um, so good in the second half of Game Five. Really was a huge reason why the Rockets were. Uh, in position that they were, that they had the Warriors on the ropes. And then just in the last minute of that game, the hammy goes, and, you know, as much as he tried to uh, to be ready for game seven, like, dude, that's just not the way hamstrings work. Especially, this is the same uh, same grade uh, of the injury that, that sidelined Harden for 18 days in the middle of the season. Right. I mean, look, if the Rockets would have won game seven, I doubt that that uh, Chris Paul is playing for at least the first two games of the finals. Yeah, minimum. So, minimum. Yeah, 
I mean, and listen, that's why, you know what, like the criticism of CP3 for not playing, like I heard the TNT crew was, was, was on them, the postgame crew. Seriously? That's what I heard. I'm like, how in the world is a guy supposed to play on one hamstring? Like, what's he, what it, like, what is he going to do? Right. How, and and like, this isn't, he's going to go out there and, and like, you're going to go guard Steph Curry on one hamstring? Are you serious? Well, and that's the thing. That's the thing that that annoys me about this whole thing. I, I you know, I mean, listen, you, you, I don't remember exactly what the tweet was yesterday. We're gonna pray, I think, is what. Uh, yeah, we'll has, pray. Yeah, we'll pray. Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, Chris, to his credit, like, look, the second Chris Paul couldn't get up and get back down court for what was at the time the biggest possession of his entire career, tied two two in the Western Conference Finals, Game Five, less than a minute to go. Uh, giving the Warriors a five on four that frankly they should have won the game with that you know if not for you know Quinn Cook you know looking like he was a uh, yeah. little leaguer uh, they they probably score and the the game is over and the Rockets lose that game and they lose the series right there. Um, Chris Paul didn't even attempt to get back on defense on that play. It wasn't because he didn't want to. It's because his hamstring blew out and like for people saying oh yeah he could do a Willis Reed like Willis Reed could walk up and down the court and lean on Will Chamberlain. Like, that's what right. he had to do. Uh, Chris Paul, to your point, would have to run around at 100 miles an hour and be explosive with a hamstring against Chris Paul, against or against Steph Curry, against Clay Thompson, against Kevin Durant. Like, you, you can't do that. Like, this isn't an ankle yeah. sprain that you can put a you know a needle in and shoot up and you can tape it up and you can play. Like, you could, if you if he really blows his hamstring out, he could rip it off the bone. And it's a six-month injury. I was going to say, I was going to say, the, the other thing here is, like, look, the odds of him being able to even be a somewhat functional point guard are slim to none when you've got that kind of hamstring right. strain. The the odds of him really aggravating the injury and turning it into something that could potentially impact him going into next season and maybe even for the rest of his career would be a hell of a lot higher. I mean, right. that, like, like Dan Tony said, he tried as hard as he could. He got around the clock treatment. They the reason, very, just, just they to be clear, very briefly, and just, he couldn't push off. It. Yeah, just to be clear, the reason the Rockets didn't rule him out for the series earlier, from at least my understanding, is because the Rockets thought he was going to play. It's because Chris was doing everything he could to try to play, and they basically said, yeah. "All right, we'll let you try to play." I mean, I thought D'Antoni was instructive. I uh, I don't remember exactly when he said it, but he was like, "Look, you know, we're gonna." I think it was on the conference call yesterday uh, or on uh, Sunday. Where it's yeah. it's up to the doctors and the and the the you know the trainer and Chris and if everybody isn't on the same page he's not going to play and, and and everybody was on the same page that there was just zero chance right and I think that I think Dan Tony said it that way because it's like all right Chris is going to say I can go and the doctors are going to say no you can't and if there's some way that he can go then he'll go but otherwise he's not gonna. Like, yeah, and, and talked to everybody on Chris the Rockets calls, for the past four days. There was nobody who was saying, oh, no. yeah, Chris is going to play. Like, he's, he'll be back. No, no. They're <laughs> like all, praying they, for a miracle, basically. Yeah, after game six, they all were ba- – I mean, they knew. They knew at the time. And like you said, it would have been an absolute miracle. But anybody who's questioning Chris Paul's, like, competitive fire, like, uh, what what world are you living in? That's just – dumb right you can you can question a lot of things about chris paul over his career which i have at times uh the one thing i think anybody sane could not question is that the guy is as competitive a person as there is in the entire league um which is part of his undoing at times with some of the 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 foul drawing he tries to do and like what happened at the end of the the thunder game in game five in 2000 
14 when he kind of went crazy trying to draw fouls and like blew that game and um like that those times are that kind of gets in the way but yeah like anybody anybody arguing against like that just gets back to my entire thing about people arguing about people being hurt same thing with Andrea Godala like Andre Godala's a bone bruise in his leg that's a fracture in his leg so like yeah he isn't playing he's trying to come back it's it's not like Andrea Godala would like to sit out uh, the last four games of the Western Conference Finals potentially not win a title. Like these right. guys, these guys. I think Steve Kerr said it well last night, where these guys spend their entire lives training for these kind of moments. It's not like they want to sit now and just watch. So yeah, I mean that that's not now. And, and look, that bone bruise. I mean, last season Derek Favors had a bone bruise early in the year and was never right the whole year, never explosive. And so, yep. you know, if we're fast forwarding to the finals now. I mean, Andre Iguodala is obviously a critical part of the game plan in, in terms of containing LeBron. Now, you're not going to stop him, but containing right. LeBron. I mean, Andre Iguodala got a finals MVP primarily because of the defensive work he did against LeBron. Yep. So if Iguodala is either not available or not close to 100%, you know, I mean, <laughs> violin, cue the violin music. The Warriors still have four future Hall of Famers. So they'll, <laughs> right. still be, they'll still be heavily favored. But that might crack the door for the Cavs just that much slightly more. Uh, because, look, what? how do the Cavs beat the Warriors? Well, LeBron has to be an absolute superhero. And then they at least need Kevin Love, and we'll see what his availability is. They at least need all-star Kevin Love to make repeated appearances in the series. They can't have, you know, pretty good Kevin Love. It has to be 25-12 and 12 kind of Kevin Love. Posting Up is sponsored by Bowl & Branch. Getting a great night's sleep is easier and more affordable than you think. Go to bowlandbranch.com today for $50 off your first set of sheets. That's B-O-L-L and branch.com. Promo code POSTINGUP. Yeah, no, I agree, and I, I think his concussion could keep him out for a while, and I think Andre Goddard's missed at least the first couple of games of the series. So, I mean, it, it it will be interesting. Do you do you give Cleveland any chance at all to make it interesting? Well, only because LeBron is so legendary and playing at the absolute peak of his powers. But having said that, it took the absolute peak of his powers to get past the Pacers in seven, to get past a uh, you know young. Uh, Boston team with their, you know, with two max players out uh, in, in seven games. So, I mean, it's LeBron. I give him the respect of being the best player of this generation, uh, arguably the best of all time. It's a whole different discussion. Right. But uh, so I give them a chance, but I, I think it's probably a five or six game series the Warriors win. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I, I think the Warriors are winning five, and, you know, LeBron, LeBron will get a game, and, and that will probably be uh, the way that it goes. Um, let, let's spin ahead with the Rockets, though, for a few minutes before we bounce. Um, obviously, you know, we've, we spent all this time talking about how they, you know, they, they ran out of gas in this series. You know, we were talking about it last night after the game. Uh, you know, if you have Chris, 
if you have Luka Mute, who was a critical piece for them all season mm. that people don't talk about, you know, you have eight guys playing in the series instead of seven. That's a real difference. And I know Mike D'Antoni liked to keep saying, yeah, our, our high, our top guys are playing the same minutes as their top guys, but you, you can't have 33 year old PJ Tucker and 30, 33 year old Trevor Ariza next month and 33 year old Chris Paul, 32 uh, year old Luka Mute. Like you can't have those guys playing the same minutes as, 28-year-old Kevin Durant, 28-year-old Steph Curry, 29-year-old Draymond Green, 29-year-old Clay Thompson. Like you can't, and, you, you and, can't, you can't. Look, that's not that's not a winning formula over seven games when it's you're only playing I, seven guys. And I, and I think the minutes on Harden are probably harder than the minutes on any player in the league, with the possible exception of LeBron, simply because Harden is working so hard offensively. And he got torched in game one defensively this series. Other than that, I thought he actually competed really well. He did compete well. I agree. Uh, uh, on the defensive end. And again, you know, our, our buddy Tom Haverstrow with Bleacher Report, uh, I, I think it was after game one where yep. Harden really did shoot the ball well, wrote about the the issue of fatigue and Harden's three-point percentage as you get deeper and deeper in series. And certainly, you know, there was a, a, a rare case of a time where Hater Stroh knew what he was talking about. <laughs> that that, that uh, absolutely, uh, you know, was, was the way that it went down. And, you know, even yesterday, like, Harden was great uh, attacking off the dribble. Yep. But, I mean, you know, do the math. 12 of, of uh, 29 from the floor, 2 of 13 from threes. I mean, so he, he's 10 to 16 when, he, when he's attacking off the dribble. Yep. But he, the, the threes just weren't going down, and they're the same shots that he was taking and making all year long. Those step backs are tough shots, but they're tough shots that he hits on a consistent basis. They're tough shots that yep. you know really are the reason that he was able to go from uh, a perennial MVP candidate to the clear cut uh, guy this year. That, you know, yep. that I mean, it's kind of that's the shot that sent him into a different stratosphere. Yep. But but it failed him. Uh, obviously, with the with the rocket season on the line, James Harden, game one. 14 for 24 from the field, 58%. 5 for 9 from 3, 55%. No other game in the series that he shoot over 50, actually over 45% from the field. No other game in the series that he shoot better than 33% from 3. Over the final six games of the series, 3 for 15, 2 for 6, 3 for 12, 0 for 11, 4 for 12, 2 for 13. Mm. I mean, you, you, you have been around him all year. I agree with you. He deserved to win the MVP. Um, but this this happens over and over and over and over again with him in the playoffs. Uh, what is the deal here with him just never look just him perpetually running out of gas in virtually every series he's been in? Yeah, and you know, again, I I, I do think that that part of it is how hard he has to work to uh, to run the offense. Um, you know, I don't. I wonder if it's a little bit different story. If uh, if he has CP three to split the load in these in the last couple games, you know obviously that's something. But even still, he shot over eleven in game five when he was there the whole time. I mean, even if you just go the yeah. four games, even if you go the four games with Chris, right? He was eight for forty four. Yeah, and look, the Rockets cut his minutes a little bit this year, which was one of the luxuries of having uh, CP three. He only played thirty eight minutes a game in the series. Yeah, I think they, he played uh, less minutes than all four Warrior stars per game. Okay, they, um, they, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they, they made quick work in the first two rounds. You know, um, he came in, he actually lost weight over the summer, came in in great shape. I think they did kind of what they could do to try to manage the situation. And, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what the solution here is. 
Yeah, it's it's a fascinating it's a fascinating thing because he he is undeni- he was undeniably the MVP of the league this year, and he just it like this is just this happens time and time again, and it's it's baffling. Um, yeah, because it's not look, like you said I, it's the same exact. It's it's not like he it's not like this isn't what he's done all year, right? Like he plays pretty heavy minutes, and he um, he's he's done all this stuff all year, and then you get to um, you get to the playoffs, and it's it's just the same repeating narrative that. He in like Tom even laid it out like you said first game first game of the first round fifteen for twenty six seven for twelve from three after that he never hit fifty percent of his threes in the series second yeah. round twelve for twenty six uh, and seven for twelve from three he never made more than twenty five percent of his threes after that same thing in the same thing in the conference finals like it it's baffling that the, he comes out and has a great game he had forty four forty one and forty one in the first game of uh each series he didn't score more than uh he didn't score in the 40s any other game scored more than 32 once yeah and having said all that i i I have a hard time sitting here you know talking about how how much james harden failed in game seven when he went for 32 six and six yeah i know and i'm not even saying he failed it's it's just like you said he was doing a good job attacking the rim he got to the line eight times it's not it wasn't like game six last year when we were here in houston when the rockets played the spurs without chris uh, without Kawhi and lost by 39 and he disappeared like he didn't disappear at all um Mm -hmm. it's just it like he had 32 in game six and seven like you know i mean he he played well He, he worked hard on defense i uh, it's just it's it's just confusing that it just keeps happening without any real um, explanation as to uh, why. I mean, you would think at some point it would change, but it's it's the same it's the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, it's very weird. Yeah, and, and then you then you look at a freak of nature like LeBron, who's playing forty eight minutes in a game seven Oof. and absolutely dominating, having having the, having the blocking Terrozier and then glaring at him for the entire length of the court as the other as his team runs back its scores without him. Uh, yeah, and, and, and to be clear, James Harden was a clear-cut MVP, but there's no question who the best player in the league is. <laughs> that, I don't think anybody's arguing that. Um, now, before before we go quick, uh, we we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but um, you know, there's a lot interesting summer ahead for Houston. You got Chris Paul, who's going to be a Fury agent. Um, big decision ahead of the Rockets in terms of whether they give him a five-year max, which at the end of that deal is not going to look good. I think it's $47 million mm-hmm. in the fifth year of that potential contract. Um, Trevor Reese is a free agent. He is 30. He's going to be 33. Uh, Luka Mute is a free agent. He's 32. Chris is 33. Um, P.J. Tucker is 33. Uh, you know, this is a team that's obviously built for now, um, but they do have some key guys that are going to be hitting the market. Kun Capella is going to be a restricted free agent. He's going to get multiple max offers. Um, you know, what – uh, do you do you see them just finding a way to run this group back, or is there a potential for you know several of these pieces to to switch out, despite how close uh, the Rockets were to to get into the finals and, and being favored to win a title? I you know I I would say this that with Daryl Morey, you uh, you never can be one hundred percent sure because certainly he's always working, he's always you know scheming, he's always trying to uh, swing for the fences. Um, but I think that the much, 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 much more likely scenario is they run this back. And I, I don't see any way Chris Paul is not back here. Right. I don't see any way that they let Clint Capella go. You have James Harden, an MVP, in his prime. You have a championship formula here. You what was their proven- record regular season when those three guys played together? Yeah, it was fifty and three, I think. Something ridiculous like that. Yeah. You yeah, like you have a formula that it, like even though they did not win this series, 
the Rockets can wake up today, look in the mirror, and say, "Look, we have a team that is good enough to win a championship." Right. They like that. They have this is unquestionably the best themselves. team that Daryl's had during his entire run. Not even and, close. And, and so, and, and so, you know, it's probably a three-year window here, and you do everything you you put your chips in, and you do everything you can to maximize that window, and then you know you deal with. If it's a, if if CP3 insists on a, on the five year max, you kind of deal with the, the back end of that when it you comes. To, but, yep. but you know, right now you have an absolute like you go into next season uh, and same type of deal here. But now you are clearly the primary challenger to the Warriors. There's no question about that. And so it's an old team. There's going to be durability risks and all that. But you got <laughs> you got to run it back. And and Capella is the one kind of ascending talent. Not kind of absolute ascending talent right. on this roster, and, and look if if they're able to get him for in the Stephen Adams range, the Rudy Gobert range, around 100 mil for for four years, that would be a win. But you're right; I think somebody might put a a max offer sheet on the table. And if you're the Rockets, you swallow hard and say Tillman. Hope the Golden Nugget Casinos are doing real well too. <laughs> We're going to make some deep playoff runs to get you some of this luxury tax money back. Right. But it's going to be a hefty. Tax bill. It's going to be a hefty uh, bill. Tillman Fertitta. But I'll tell you what, I'm pretty sure Tillman Fertitta didn't uh, buy. I, I he, he seems pretty happy owning the Rockets right now. And I, uh, oh, I'm yeah. feeling, you know, this most, you've seen these teams when they, they have teams that are good. I mean, look, Golden State's not cheap this year. Uh, you know, Cleveland hasn't been cheap the last few years. I mean, these guys, when they, when they got a chance to win, they're willing to spend. And like you said, it's, anybody who was at that game and at this series have been around this Rockets team this season would look at them and say, you know, there's no question that this is a team that's good enough to uh, to potentially win a title. And you, you've got to you got to maximize your opportunity to do that. Yeah. And look, on the day he was introduced as the Rockets owner, Fertitta said that he will pay luxury tax if the team's a legitimate contender. Well, they more, you can't get more legitimate than this. Yeah. I mean, you were you were. One went away, maybe one hamstring strain away, maybe you know just a, f- a few three pointers going down away from being in the NBA Finals and being the favorite uh, in the finals. So I, I, I like I said, maybe Daryl Morey's got some tricks up his sleeve. You never, you never know. But I think that we will see this same core back. And look, Trevor Ariza, uh, I think he's a great fit here. Obviously, he didn't go out in Game Seven the way he wanted, but you know he's a guy in this market. It, it's probably going to be more team friendly than not. Mbam Mute, Gerald Green's probably a minimum guy. Uh, you know, so to and they go but, to use the mid level and get one more piece to kind of deepen that bench a little bit. And then and then, and then and then that's yeah, like you like you were talking about last night. If if they can go get a three and D guy with a mid level, which I think is going to have tremendous value. Yep. Then then they can be in good shape. And look, Especially last this year, is, there's no 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 state tax market. Great team. D'Antoni's a fun guy to play for. Um, right. You know, I, I was looking at guys. Uh, I wrote about it this morning. Guy, you know, Danny Green, Avery Bradley, Catavius Caldwell Pope. If they could get a guy like that, um, to, you know, a, a guy that can guard, you know, play next to Hard and guard or, and Paul and guard the um, guard the best defender on the other team, and you know, kind of give those guys a blow at times. Um, you know, I, I think that would be a huge piece for them. Because look, one, I, I love D'Antoni. I think he's a great coach. But one criticism you can have of him is that he tends to play seven guys in the playoffs and. His teams and have historically gotten tired in the playoffs. Well, if you have Mbamute healthy, you have Chris right. there. Then there's eight guys he trusts. If you can get a ninth guy there and you're playing nine guys, well, then all of a sudden, I think that's a real game changer for this, you know, for this team going forward because your your guys are not going to wear down as much and and they're going to be you know more rested both to guard a team like Golden State and to knock down these shots late in the series. Right. And look, last year they made great use of the mid level. 
uh, PJ Tucker was Monster a huge signing. part, huge part of this of this team going Houston from mediocre defense to good. Golden State signed Nick Young. That's a big reason yeah. why the series was close. Exactly. And look, PJ is a guy who left more money on the table. Yep. To come to Houston, um, certainly their their, their mid level is going to be attractive. Now, <laughs> again, though, we're talking about it's a lot of money. Uh, it's a lot yeah. of money and because they're mid level. Also, you're you're not just paying the mid level; you're paying the luxury tax for yep. that. Yep. It's a lot of money, but. You know, they got a chance to win, and usually you can convince guys to come if you got a chance to win. And again, it's another situation where no state tax is going to help them and a, and a, a fun system to play in. I mean, I, I think they'll have I think they'll have options. So, Timmy, I appreciate you doing this, man. Thank you. Um, before you go, let people know where to follow you, and uh, if you got anything coming up that you should want yeah, to check at out. ESPN at ESPN underscore McMahon on Twitter. And what I've got coming up is a seat on the couch for the finals. <laughs> and I'm going to kind of enjoy that. You, uh, you, you, you've earned it. You've been, you've been running around from Utah to, to uh, Houston, to LA, to all over the place for the past, uh, the past seven months. You've earned, you've earned a break. So thanks. Thanks for the time, man. I'll see you soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Tim for doing the podcast. Be sure to go follow his work on ESPN and follow him on Twitter at ESPN underscore McMahon. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps, on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA. The pages of the Washington Post are on our website at WashingtonPost.com slash sports. Please give the podcast a five-star rating and review wherever you get it, be it uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Radio Public, uh, any, anywhere else you get it, Stitcher. Uh, go, go give us a five-star rating and review. It really helps us out a lot. Thanks to Glenn Yoder in the Western States for the theme music for the podcast. Glenn, NBA editor of The Post, also a very talented musician. Uh, be sure to go check those check their band out whenever they're touring. They were just in Boston recently. Uh, they're usually up and down the East Coast uh, a couple times a year. Uh, go check them out. Go buy their music. They're really good. Uh, good dudes. Good musicians. So check their stuff out. Go check out our other podcasts at The Post. Uh, Candy Do That, Constitutional, Presidential, uh, Letters from War. Uh, in, the fo- in the fall, fantasy football beat. We got a lot of really cool podcasts. We got more coming. Uh, so be sure to check that out at WashingtonPost.com slash podcast. Thanks again to Timmy for coming on the podcast. We'll be back with you again soon.